Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well-developed, and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Rick. How's it going? Good, brother. How was the weekend? It was great. We had a great finish to our week last week. Had a new uh, potential uh, franchisee in the house. I know. Got to keep it on the down low. All these folks that are shopping, franchising, maybe leaving a current job. I know. We can't let the cat out of the bag until it's time. So, but yeah, really good visit. Really dynamic individual. Things look good. We'll get them on board. Yeah. Hope she shout hope out. She, hope she's listening. Shout Thanks out for to coming in. Her, whoever <laughs> she is, you know who you are. Shout out to you, girl. But uh, yeah, man, it was a great week. You know, good weekend overall. And most importantly, I got this dope ass t shirt. Yeah. Right? So if you guys that aren't watching or you can't see it because I'm behind the microphone, it simply says, do your job. Yeah. Which I love. So, you know, Jared, who's on our franchise team, bought these shirts, I guess as a surprise. You got one too, right? Mm -hmm. So we all got these shirts. And the story behind Do Your Job is it came from Amazon Prime documentary that Mm -hmm. I watched where it had Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, which if you guys don't, you probably know who those people are. Come on. But if you're not, if you're not from the U.S. or whatever, these are two American football coaches, both top in their respective divisions, right? So one's college. University of Alabama, Nick Saban, prolific, you know, probably mm-hmm. one of the most winning coaches of all time. And then obviously Bill Belichick, New England Patriots franchise, yeah. right? Like dynasty for sure. And what's surprising to most and was surprising to me, I didn't realize these guys are like best friends. And so when Bill Belichick's dad was coaching at Navy, where my kid went to school at, at Naval Academy, that was where Nick Saban got one of his first coaching jobs. Oh, and cool. while he and his wife, they were, he was already together with his wife, they were looking for a home and Mr. Belichick, Bill's father, offered for the Sabins to live in the home with them over the summer while they were looking for a place for the fall season. And during that time, Bill, who had landed a coaching gig, was about the same age, about in the same place with his coaching career at the time, mm-hmm. came home and lived home for the summer. So they basically lived together for the summer and they had all these things in common. They viewed coaching and things the same, and obviously they had the both. They both had the same influence because you know Saban will say that Belichick's dad was a big influence on his coaching career. And basically now they're adults. They've they're you know well along in their years and have been very successful. They still get together at least once a year and talk over like how the season went. And surprisingly, it's a little bit of visiting, but it really as those two are, it's all business and all football. <laughs> Like, hey, when you're running this defensive, pat, you know, and you got oh, this yeah. linebacker here, are you trying to sneak him in? Is he stacked over the Always end? learning, man. Always learning and from each other, which is super yeah. cool because you think the best of the best, but they're very inquisitive and curious about that. And there's a, there's a section of this when they all talk about their philosophy and how they do it. There's a section of the documentary, and I highly recommend it just from a leadership standpoint, where there's this one statement that they both say, and I think they both have it written in their locker rooms, right? And the statement is, do, do your, your job. job yeah. And they do this little montage where there's like, 
you know, these little snippets of each coach saying it in different settings. It's almost like the the F word where you can use it in so many different ways. You know, it could be descriptive or, right. you know, enthusiastic or, you know, you can be really upset. And so it might show like Saban and he's like, you know, guys, just do your job. And then it'll show Belichick and he's like, just do your job. Don't do his job. I just want you to do your job. And then it goes back to Saban. And he's like, do your effing job. Screaming off the sidelines. And the other, and then it goes back to Belichick. He's like, Guys, it's really simple. You just need to do your job. And so it's back and forth and back and forth. And they kind of laugh about how much they use the statement. But I think if you really take a step back and you look at that statement through the lens of anyone's life, it solves a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. I posted a, a picture of me with the shirt on as a joke. I'm like, hey, new favorite shirt. And just from the comments, it was hilarious. You know, like, you know, friends of ours from the gym are like, I was just saying this the other day. I hired this vendor to, to, make a video for us. And it turned out terrible. And I literally told them, you need to do your job better. Right? <laughs> and someone else said, I say that all the time. I need that shirt. I'm like, right. I mean, it's, it really does sum up a lot, you know? Um, and I think one thing that Belichick said that wasn't in the um, documentary that I've heard him say before is he kind of laughs on people like do your job, you know, because he says it so much. And he said, well, I think something that's implied, but maybe not stated is do your job well. Yeah, because you can do a job half-assed, so to oh, speak, sure. right? Without conviction, without mm -hmm. effort, and maybe you know. So we talk about different levels of work. You can like show up and be upright and breathing, and do a job, but that doesn't mean you're doing your job not through the lens of what they're saying. So I loved it, and it really for us, Matt, it goes back to really our first core value. I mm -hmm. think it's a part of that. It could be a substitute for that, but I think I like what we have better. And core value number one, if you've listened to that podcast is own it. Mm -hmm. And own it means like, it can also be, be your own boss. You know, it's like whatever your role is, own that role, like yep. own it. And I think do your job is a different way of saying that. I think in a, in some ways though, you don't want people to be limited to like, well, that's not my job. If it's something else, like, yeah. a, like in football, it makes sense. Like if your job is to block the man in front of you and not worry about what the guard on the other side of the ball is doing, just do your job. It would make sense to say, do your job, not their job. Right. But I think in small business own, it makes more sense because it means like own your role, whatever that is. And sometimes you'll need support from those other roles. Mm -hmm. So you do have to sort of zoom out a little bit and look at all the moving parts and doing your job or owning it in a lot of ways means working along with others and understanding what they're, what they're doing, what their job is. So probably not a direct crossover from the football field, but it still helps and still makes a lot of sense. And so for us, it speaks to core value. Number one, that's how we came about it. We joke about it all the time, certainly as it pertains to like our vendors or other people, mm -hmm. you know, like, Maybe we have somebody developing a website or doing some other things and like stuff just doesn't happen. Right. You know, and I'll be talking to Suzanne before we, we ever even talked about this and who's our COO and a partner. And she's just like, God, just do your job, you know, whatever <laughs> that is, maybe an explicative in there. And it's true. And so when we look at it, I think it's a great statement. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. it's kind of fits our personality about like own it and do your dad and do your stinking job, right? Not unfeeling or whatever. We tend to be a little tougher here. You know, the, our team. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't be tough and empathetic, but at the same time, I think we tend to be a little bit tougher. Like we have high expectations, right? Well, tell me, how do you give, you know, make people own it or do their job? What do you, what do you do as a leader? I think it goes back to what Peter Drucker said, which is what gets measured gets managed. 
And I think you have to set up for your team, first and foremost, what is a win for the different positions in your team, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What should they be doing? Like, what is their job? I guess would be a good question. Like, do your job. It's like, uh, okay. If if that's not well-defined. You need clear expectations, basically. Yeah, perfect way to sum it up. I could probably talk around it for 10 minutes, but clear expectations is the, <laughs> is the best way to say it. Clear expectations on job function, right? right? And I think a lot of small businesses suffer with this. You know, Gems is an example. They've got people that have five slashes in their names. Mm-hmm. I do this, I do this, I do this. And that's fine. But if you're going to do that, you need to clearly define what each one of those roles is for yes. each person and have expectations set. A lot of times these can be number-driven, KPIs. And sometimes it's just job roles, right? Yeah. But I think everyone needs to understand what the job is. So if you were like, hey, if you were thinking or you're literally saying, hey, do your job, they know exactly what you mean. And they probably know in what areas that they're not doing their job, right? Well, it could be me as well. So you're saying if you have a salesman, just don't tell them just to go sell and leave it at that? <laughs> well, yeah, but you got to measure it. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, yes. <laughs> Selling for a salesperson is probably a good thing to focus on. <laughs> but let's look at the different roles in the small group training business. Yep. And how do your job applies to each one of those different roles. And so the first one would be our director of training, which mm-hmm. would also be you know, an interchangeable term general for manager. a general manager. Yep. Yeah. So this person, what is their job? Well, first and foremost, they're in, in charge of the whole club. Mm-hmm. So essentially anything that's going on personnel-wise, place isn't clean, there's some maintenance issues, like something's down, a piece of equipment's broken or whatever, that's the director of training's job, right? Yep. And then there's also metrics. So we've got leads, right? Leads to book, meaning book an appointment, book to show, and how many of those that showed actually bought memberships, mm-hmm. right? So those are KPIs, key performance indicators all the way through. And then at the end, there's retention. And as retention means, you know, are you doing a good job on the back end? Those are all the high level metrics. So it's every function of the club, yep. literally, like the operations part of the club, personnel, you know, equipment, facility, everything that has to do with the function of the club, in addition to sales and retention. And that's why I like own it in some regards better than do your job when it's got an overreaching because a lot of moving parts there. Absolutely. Right? Even in a small business, it's like, well, okay, it's, to, it's not just sell. Right? <laughs> you know, it's not, not in this role. <laughs> yeah, if you were just direct sales and that's, you know, you, right. you eat what you kill, that would be it. But right. in this case, it's like, well, if you have a gym that's not as clean as it should be, you're going to lose clients. Right. And so that's going to affect yeah. your retention. And so you kind of have to look at all the moving parts and put them all together and understand how there may be some higher level metrics that we're tracking, but how each individual part of the process affects those metrics. Well, how often do you uh, meet with, say, a director of training and go over these KPIs to make sure they're owning it or doing their job? Yeah. So frequency for us is once a week. And the once a week that we do, even if we don't have a sit down meeting, is that they report in the key performance indicators that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. so those would be, you know, how many leads do we get? How many booked? How many showed? How many memberships did we sell for training? And then what was, how many did we lose? Those are the high level metrics, right? Yeah. Now there's more KPIs than just that, but for the director, those are the high level KPIs that they are to report in. Now we can pull reporting on this, but we put the onus on the director to pull that report because mm-hmm. they, you want to make sure they're paying attention to it, right? Yeah. And then they are to deliver it to the owner. And in this case, the owner of this corporate club is me. So I want to see those KPIs each week. So that comes out weekly. And then we do monthly recap. And monthly recap is what happened in the entire month. Same KPIs. But additionally, financially, how do we do, right? Did, because it doesn't make sense to produce a whole bunch of leads that maybe didn't you didn't hit your KPIs with and spend a whole bunch of money. 
Right. Right. So if you spent a whole bunch of money on marketing and got some leads, but they were not qualified and it blew up your KPIs on the back end, it's just two different ways to look at it. So you do mm-hmm. need to do a monthly summary as well. So monthly. So meeting with them weekly, you got a monthly summary, staying on top of it. You find that um, meeting once a week keeps them motivated and keeps them juiced? I think so. I think the it's a little bit of what the famous strength coach Dan John said about programming. And he said, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Dan John, right? <laughs> yeah. But it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. It's sort of like do your job. It's like, well, the main thing is to like the numbers for the director is how we keep score. That's how adults keep score. So if you want to know if the cultural things that we're working on or the feel of the club Mm -hmm. or the service or, you know, just all the things that we're constantly working on to improve customer experience, you know how you know if those are working, you measure your numbers. Because if your customer experience sucks, you're going to have bad retention or poor sales if you're running a trial hook and they don't feel it in that during that trial period. Right. So I think still the KPIs are the best way to go for, the, for that role. Yep, for that well, role. How about um, the trainers? I mean, do you measure numbers on them? What are you doing there? Yeah, now that's a little bit trickier because we don't have a – the way that our systems are set up, we have trainers on shifts. Mm-hmm. In this setting, we're paying them on a salary. And so you can't really measure – there are things you can measure, like efficiency of schedules, as an example. But it's not necessarily their responsibility – as far as a KPI, like we don't go to them and it doesn't, and when I say it's responsibility, I guess what we should be saying, because ultimately we talked about money is how we keep score. Trainers aren't paid solely based on certain KPIs. Yes. In other words, they're hired to do a role and they're paid appropriately to do that role. And if they're doing a poor job, they're let go. Right. But we're not saying, listen, if you reach an efficiency rate, meaning the number of available time slots or sessions that you have available booked at a certain percentage or better, you're going to get a bump in pay, right? We don't do it that way. And the reason why is because we find that coaches are mostly intrinsically motivated yeah, and they want to do a good job and they're doing this job because they like it. So to put a, uh, a financial metric in it, we've tried it in the past and it doesn't seem to move the needle. Yeah. It's it just doesn't. not a, not especially with the trainers that we, we facilitate here are very caring. It's not numbers. Aren't the, <laughs> the way to motivate them generally speaking. Right. But, yeah, so there's the, some out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if you're in a dog eat dog environment, like working in a big club and again, you eat what you kill, meaning you got to go out and find your own clients. You got to sell them, train mm-hmm. them, maintain them. You're running a, basically your own you know, business within someone else's yep. business. That's different animal. And there are different trainers that survive in that. For sure. You know, here we're about customer service first with the mm-hmm. numbers that follow. Everything's a sales business. Like let's not get it twisted. Like we're always selling and you know, reselling and providing value and putting those poles in the ground, all those things that we talk about, right? So how are you uh, measuring if you're not saying, I mean, we have looking at retention number, what else are you doing to kind of measure, see if they're doing well? We do. um, The best tool that we have is the secret shopper. So the secret shopper is based on our seven core tenets of a good session. Now we've covered that in a previous podcast, but essentially it's things like being greeted by name within a certain number of seconds of entering the front door, having the exercises explained through your lens. Like what does it mean to you? Mm -hmm. Right getting introduced to the group. I mean, all these little things that make the best customer experience in a great session, those are the things that we're asking the clients. And we do it in a, um, you know, in what we call secret shopper, but it's essentially, it's an anonymous way for them to let us know if we're doing a good job. And the way that we do that is we literally will email or just sometimes physically hand them a form and it asks the questions that cover the seven core tenets. 
And then we keep that on record. Like, well, who was the coach they worked with? Were these things met or not? And again, they're completely anonymous. So it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, Matt said that yeah, you weren't clients, doing your job. Clients definitely don't uh, want to rat out their coaches. Well, no. And, and, <laughs> and if you approach them the right way, like if you approach the client the right way, you're telling them, listen, you know, we really want to know, you know what you think. And they value that. It's like, oh, cool. And then they look at these seven things that they're supposed to be measuring and they realize that there's things that we're expecting to happen. Mm-hmm. So it makes them feel better. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the time, if you're doing a good job, all those things are happening. Yep. And if all those things are happening, it's almost a reinforcement to the client. They're like, oh, they have a playbook, right? There's mm-hmm. a reason why they're doing these things. And not only do they want to be doing them, but the coach is actually doing them. And yeah. they actually notice them and value them more. Right. right? They start looking for them. They start looking for them. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then what's funny is they may go and visit another gym and they're still looking for them. And they don't happen. You know, when we've had clients come back and be like, oh, they didn't even... I didn't even meet anybody in my group, you know, they didn't even introduce us or, (laughs) you know, so it's little things that we take for granted that clients really buy into if you make them part of the process. And that's the best way to measure. So do your job for a coach means bring, you know, it goes back to core values, bring your A game every day, own what you've been given, you know, run your seven core values, all of those things. And if you're doing those things, it's pretty easy for us to learn from the only customer that we all have, which is our client. Right. That's our boss, I should say, right. Everyone's boss they will tell you whether you're doing it or not. And that's the best way to measure coaches and to see if they're doing their job. Well, how often do you do that? We do two a week for the morning and the evening shift. So let's say we've got two coaches in the evening and two in the morning, ideally. Mm -hmm. Then each coach gets one evaluation each week, right? And then we just do it every single week and we compile enough of them to do a monthly recap. And then how often are you meeting with your coaches to make sure they're... uh... Depends on what's going on. I mean, we have a, a weekly team meeting. And so here's what I will say is around do your job for coaches. If there is a global issue, mm-hmm. you know, meaning that we're all not doing well at something, then it's worth bringing it up in a group meeting and saying, okay, guys, 40% of the time, which is not good enough, we're hitting this metric of explaining the exercises to the individual in that group. Even though there was a group of six, this person needs to know why they're doing it and they need to know through their lens. Like, Okay, this is a reverse lunge, right? Well, if one of their goals was to build their glutes, then wouldn't that be the why for them? You mm-hmm. need to speak to that. Or if someone, if we're doing bird dogs as an example, right? And someone has previous history of some back issues, wouldn't it be good to tell that person that this works your multifidus, which are these small muscles up <laughs> and down the spine? It's like, you know what I mean? You have to know the lens, but that's what makes it personal training, right? Right. And so that's where those things come into play and why the secret shopper ends up being the best way to do it. And so if it's a group problem, we would bring it up in a group meeting. Mm-hmm. But let's say that, you know, you only have four coaches. Let's say that three of the coaches are on fire and one of them is the one. Right. Don't bring it up to the whole group. Just, you know, have a hard conversation now. Pull that person aside and say, everybody I meet with says you aren't doing this. You don't want to get yell at them in front of everybody. It's not a good thing. <laughs> Make them cry Publicly shame them. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> right. Well, publicly praise and privately, you know, correct. But yeah, and and plus it's like, who wants to hear that? Like if you are a weak leader, you sit down and you talk about the problems that we're all having. Like, you know, guys, we're not doing a very good job doing this. You know, I was really just talking to (laughs) so-and-so. It's like, well, then why don't you just go talk to them about it, bro? Because I'm killing it over here, right? I'm doing that every time. I know you're not talking to me. So that's a weak sauce leadership. So just go straight to the person and tell them exactly what they need to do. Weak sauce leadership. Yeah. That's that's next week's podcast. <laughs> Week sauce leadership. All right. Well, how about um, let's talk about I would I would consider it an undervalued role, the uh, front desk or you know customer service. 
Yeah, I would, that's shoot. That could be the most important one. Mm-hmm. So for them, you know, what is do your job? And most of that for me, if you were just asking, you know, like what do we value in that position? It's you're running, you're the first point of contact and the last point of contact coming in and out of the gym. Mm-hmm. So I promise you, like 99% of that job is just attitude. Smile on your face, bring some energy. You know, be really nice, mm-hmm. be patient because you're typically going to hear, you know, someone's going to step in and they might have a complaint or maybe they thought they were undercharged or overcharged or they have to change yep. their card out or there's just a lot of little miscellaneous stuff. But there's so many opportunities for good customer interaction out of that position. Do your job there is 99% attitude. And we try not to burden that person with too much. Right like logistical work, mm-hmm. you know, we've had, we've made the mistake in the past where we've had general managers that shoved everything downstream to the front desk, just as you could call it delegating, but it was more like shucking. Right. Yeah. And then that person at the desk was buried with so many like admin things to do that they couldn't do the most important job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you look at do your job, make sure the job's defined and make sure that they're not having to do the job of someone else so that they can be, you know, the smiling face, mm-hmm. they can be running point at the desk and not, you know, taking phone calls in the back and doing all kinds of wacky things. But that's it 99% of the time. And I think for that one's probably the hardest one to measure. But I think if you said, look, you're the most important thing for you is because there's two things that are in the seven core tenants that they affect directly, greeting people by name within 10 seconds of them entering the door, saying thank you when they leave. So you know, what things would be examples of doing your job or not doing your job. So, you know, and this even happened last week and listen, everyone's human. Sure. So it's just about coaching and correcting and coaching and correcting and coaching and the whys behind it. Mm-hmm. So last week um, there was, you know, a huddle of a couple of coaches and the person that we have working at the desk and they were discussing something really important, which is our surprisingly personable campaign, like buying a gift for someone, mm-hmm. Right. But sometimes you forget that the most important thing is the people that are right in front of (laughs) you, not the discussion about the gift that you're going to buy someone, right, for a surprisingly personable gift, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And that's great. But would you let someone walk right behind you, right by the desk and right out the door without anyone saying goodbye or thank you Mm -hmm. that they came in, right? No. So again, it's just a constant reminder of what that do your job means. And for that position, that would be an example of like how that may slip. And that's just more of an attitude, I think. And maybe that's what we touch on last, right? Well, I say, I mean, for measuring, it's you could secret shop the front desk just as easy as you could do a trainer, really. You could. Now, we haven't done that, but I like that. I do like that idea. I think it's a really good idea. I mean, maybe cut a couple things out, but it's, you know, did you get greeted? Did you ask, get asked when you're coming back? pretty easy right how was the interaction we Mm -hmm. treated pleasantly did you get all your questions answered and what you don't want the person at the at that you know running point for your whole business to be is like a a company person that steps in line and says things like well i'm not really sure let me talk to so-and-so or you know and so in other words what i'm saying is they need to be empowered and even if you give them guardrails around that empowerment like listen you can spend up to $50 of company money to make the person right in front of you as happy as you need Mm -hmm. to. So you could give them guardrails, but also give them the ability to solve the problems that are right in front of them right now. Yes. And so that's allowing them to quote unquote, do their job. Um, don't hamstring them, 
with the ability to do yeah, their well, job. Yeah, once you finish with that, was really like, how do you facilitate all this? So you kind of already started touching on it. Like, how do you create a culture where everybody is owning it? It isn't just saying, oh, well, it's not my job kind of deal. Yeah, and that, that's really hard. If you look at um, the book that you and I both read, Matt, which was the, and I highly recommend, which is The Five Dysfunctions of Team. And then we had um, my business coach, Tim Fulton, come out and do an exercise with our team. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a great exercise for you guys. So I'll just kind of spell this out and this will help you understand like why this is the hardest thing to nail of all, which is culture. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is the exercise we went through. When you go through the five dysfunctions of team, the, the exercise we did was everyone was around a table and each person, you somebody was in the hot seat, so to speak. You didn't literally get up and move, but like, okay, it's your turn, Matt. And then everyone would go around the table and say something that they thought like in a short phrase or a word something they thought that you did that contributed to the well-being or production, you know, with the team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it might be like, oh, you know, I don't know, innovative or whatever that may be. <laughs> Who knows, right? And I'll just use mine as an example. So it was like, you know, innovative or thought leader or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, you know, that's all shiny and fun and right. everyone's smiling and you're feeling <laughs> like you're, you're all puffed up. Well, then the next assignment is you, that same person still in the hot seat, go around the table and say a word or phrase that says so that that states something that that person is doing that's a detriment to the team or the well-being of the organization. Yeah, I remember this doing this now. <laughs> so uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And so what you find is that somebody would say like to me, so on one hand innovative, right? Or like thought leader. And then of course I guess there's two sides to the coin because then like some of the feedback from the table was like squirrel all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Always changing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so that was seen, that was sort of maybe the flip side, you know, right. the negative side of that. But not only so that. Do your job, Rick. <laughs> right. Just do your, don't do his job. You just do your job. But one of the things that, that, we, that we noticed about that was when people gave the negative feedback to a peer or someone on the team, they often offered a long, lengthy explanation around oh, yeah, it. Absolutely. So it's like, let's say they said to me, you know, squirrel. But I mean, that's good because, you know, you need to be, I mean, it's, it's okay. You know, it's funny, but like, yeah, it's good. I guess we have to have somebody that's looking out for blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) And then when you finish the exercise, then Tim would say, did you notice any difference between the positive, right? Comment or the negative comment? And yes, the negative comment came with a lot of extra dialogue to explain the way out essentially of the negative comment. Mm -hmm. And as the receiver of the negative comment, what did the extra verbiage or explanation do to the negative comment? And everyone to a person is like, it was confusing. It took away from it, right? right? It was like they were explaining themselves out of it. So did you really mean it or not? Like, what are you saying? And it go, what it is, is it's a great example of how the hardest thing in the five dysfunctions of team is whole, it's like peer accountability, mm-hmm. holding each other accountable. So the long answer to your question about what's the best way to build an amazing culture is to have a culture where teammates, though they know their job, they know everyone else's job, and that do your job becomes part of the culture of the company where the manager or the owner or the perceived whoever might be in leadership there doesn't always have to step in, Right. that the peers will hold themselves accountable. That's coach to coach mm-hmm. or coach to desk or desk to coach. It doesn't matter. Right. Or in a lot of ways, desk to manager or director, coach to director. Right. Mm-hmm. And how does this work in harmony? Well, someone comes in, they do a trial, they meet with the director. The director doesn't overpromise. They just tell them exactly what they needed to be 
do to be successful. And they lay out a, a framework. They then communicate that well to the coaches who perpetuate that framework and deliver on what was promised in the office because it wasn't overpromised, mm-hmm. right? And then they report back, right? The client reports back to then the director on exactly what happened. You know, there's there's synergy and cohesion yep. between the team. And then the front desk is always saying hello and goodbye. And they're perpetuating this friendly, like we're your third place. And then the accountability from, again, coach to coach, coach to desk, desk to manager and all the way around. That's how you do it. Now, that's not easy. Nope. But this basic T-shirt that I'm wearing today that says do your job is really what we mean when we say that is to build a culture where it's not just top down accountability, but everyone understands what everyone else's role is. They do their job. They expect you to do your job. And if you don't, the whole team is going to notice. It's Mm -hmm. not just everyone sneaking around thinking the goal of do your job is not to say, well, that's not my job. Right. Right. It's to be like, Hey, I'm doing more, my job. You know, you do your job and and understanding what your job is and wanting you to do your job because they understand that that helps their job and it helps the whole Mm -hmm. organization grow and get better. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank All right, you. so we're going to get some more of these shirts, I think. you know, Maybe we'll even start to sell them because do your job might become, I don't know. I don't want to add another core value, but I like it. We'll just use it as a derivative of, of uh, own it. How about that? <laughs> there you go. All right, Matt, do your damn job, Matt. That's all I'm going to say. Do your I'm job. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we want a reaction. That's teamwork. <laughs> On that, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank Bye. you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources.